0: This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, on Backheel.com, with your hosts Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Backheel.com, Dan Dickinson, and me, Mark Fishkin. Hi, we're here tonight to talk to you about all things Red Bull, and there's a whole lot going on in the world of the New York Red Bulls. We'll recap the match against Columbus, New York uh, Once again, took an early lead, and for the third time in the last month and a half, they couldn't hold on to it. They wound up losing 2-1 in Columbus. We'll give our Bull and Cow of the Week. We will preview Saturday's match at Red Bull Arena against the New England Revolution, who are in a world of hurt at present. We're going to talk U.S. Open Cup. Yes, our quarterfinal date with the Philadelphia Union has been scheduled, and this is as twisty and turny as any scheduling uh, dilemma and match, certainly in in recent Open Cup history. The transfer window is open, folks. We're going to talk about who might come and join the Red Bulls in the summer transfer window. We're going to talk about targeted allocation money. I'm, I'm glad you okay. got that
1: out without stumbling over it.
0: Targeted allocation money. Yes, the fifteenth way that players can come into the league. Uh, we're going to talk transfer rumors, and um, we're going to celebrate our Women's World Cup champions. We're going to talk to Connor Laid, defender, midfielder of the New York Red Bulls, and answer your calls and emails. It's, um, it's a great time to be a Red Bulls fan. It's great to be back at Seeing Red. It, it, one of the things that I appreciate is, finally, that we don't have a game every three days. We can take a breather, but seemingly only for a little while, and then the, the fixture uh, calendar gets crazy once again.
1: It's... Too much soccer, Mark. Too much soccer.
0: It's never too much soccer.
1: Sometimes it is. We, we went from the <laughs> Women's World Cup right into yes. the Gold Cup. We've got all the MLS stuff. It's
0: we had 24 hours off, right. and there were people who had no idea
1: what to do with themselves. It, it was a tough, tough withdrawal-y sort of Monday.
0: All right, so New York goes into Columbus last weekend. It's their sixth game in 18 days, and they leave their captain, Dax McCarty, at home, who had played f- five straight 90-minute appearances, both in the Cup as well as in the league, and uh, and it showed. New York gets an early goal, a great pass, Bradley Wright Phillips, uh, to Anatola Bong, who scored a slow roller, puts New York up, but... Um, Columbus is a talented team, and Kai Kamara and Ethan Finley have some magic mojo going on. They dropped two goals on the Red Bulls, and um, some questionable refereeing, for sure. Waylon Francis was very handy in the box uh, twice in the closing minutes that could have delivered New York an equalizer. But New York falls on the road yet again. 2-1, 2-1, to one, and this was a game that, you know, is it fair to expect this team to continue to have good results playing every three games for weeks on end?
1: No, it's not, but I think it's also fair to us, to hope that if they get the early goal, that they might be able to hold on to it. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's tough to give up that lead, and it, it's tough to watch after so many games and so many days. The The legs just sort of give up, and you know that that second goal was preventable, but you know it, it's what's going to happen. And I, I recall that there was a, a certain podcast host who said that if the Red Bulls won against the Cosmos um, after beating was, NYCFC, the result absolutely right. didn't matter.
0: Yeah, and and I I will fully stand if 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 I'm the podcast host in uh, in in. The, it might, be. And, it might be. And, and it might be. I, I truly felt that way. I mean, New York, Kings of New York, the Red Bulls, two huge wins, one in the league away uh, at Yankee Stadium, one at the Cup at home. And uh, would I would have preferred to have seen a point out of New York on Saturday? Well, of course. But I can certainly understand losing by one goal on the road, um, especially when you consider how tight the Eastern Conference is. When teams two through nine are within six points of each other, this division, this, uh, these playoff spots are definitely going to be won later in the year, especially when you consider that New York really has one more Western Conference opponent to play the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. at Portland in September. The rest of the games are going to all be six-pointers, frankly, when you're this tight, and if New York is able to take care of business at home, um, which historically they have, although they've had a little bit of a hiccup, uh, things should go well. So, you know, what can I tell you? Uh, I know that Simon Borg certainly thought that at least one of the late handballs on Francis should have been called for a PK, and um, then they lost at the end of a very, very long stretch of a lot of successful games. They went 4-2 in the six matches. They uh, The Vancouver loss hurt more for my money because it was at home. But all in all, I think it's the end of a really strong run by the Red Bulls who are kings of New York.
1: There you go. I I, I will say, looking through the stats before we, we started taping tonight, what was a little concerning uh, about the Columbus game was just not the defensive lapses because defenders are going to get tired, especially against a... Good attacking team like Columbus because you've got Iguain and you've got Kamara and you've got Ethan Finley, obviously. But the, the attack again was sort of in a lapse. Uh, there were only three shots on target, nothing from inside the six, uh, just mm-hmm. four corners. So it, you know, the team had a reasonable amount of possession and touches and passes, but it just didn't turn into anything. And I think this is maybe a continuation of things we've seen in past games that have gone awry where You know, it's just not turning into an attack consistently. But, again, tiredness might also be affecting the attack line.
0: Of of course, uh, the Red Bulls were without Chris Duvall, who's uh, suffered a leg break in the Cosmos match. Thanks, Hunter Gorski. Uh, Well done and so that's two players injured in two cup games for New York and Duval will miss 3 to 4 months i mean he's he's going to look to work his way back into the team come the playoffs and say what you want about Duval uh the Red Bulls will miss him
2: My and goodness.
0: They will they will miss not only his defending but uh, Duvall has been a lot more a part of New York's high press and delivering some quality crosses uh, over the last couple of weeks and so as much as they will miss him in the back as I said they will definitely miss him attacking and uh, Connor laid tonight's guest did Yeoman's work um, against a, a, a tough attacking opponent. But New York is going to have to figure out if Lade is the answer at right back for the rem- uh, the most of the remainder of the regular season, or is uh, they're going to be possibly pulling midfielders into the back, which Marsh did say on a conference call today. He's looking at converting perhaps some midfielders, and also the transfer window is open. So are they going to go out and find some help there? And when you think about um, the the kinds of players that usually come to MLS during the transfer window, right back is not a position you usually think of in terms of a big international signing.
1: Definitely not, but you know, it doesn't have to be a big international signing. It could be trade with another team or pulling somebody out of NASL or something else. Um, we'll see, but yeah, they definitely could use some reinforcement at this point
0: especially with Kamar Lawrence as we speak, playing with Jamaica in the Gold Cup. Jamaica up one on Costa Rica, 20 minutes in, in L.A., uh, on a Jamaican side that, has, that is littered with MLS stars. Littered. Nevertheless, Lawrence will be away from the team for the next month, as will Roy Miller. So uh, it's going to be a little hairy. The good news is the opponent that's coming into Red Bull Arena this week. But before we get there, let's give our Bull and Cow of the Week for the loss at Columbus
1: sir sure. i uh, I'm going to give the ball to a bomb uh, because I thought the hustle on the goal was good, even if the even if I just got done saying that the offense uh, was largely sputtering, uh, you know I've seen forwards in the past with this team who would have not run on that ball as hard as he did and placed it as well as he did um, to give the team the lead. So I'm going with a bomb.: A bomb
0: with three goals so far in the league. This season, and I believe he has an open cup marker as mm-hmm. well. So for an 18 year old, he is certainly doing it. There's no argument there.
1: Do you have a cow, sir? Wait, who's your bull mark?
0: No. Oh, you I'm, agree- okay. I'm agreeing okay. with you.
1: I'm agreeing with you. Uh, for cow, I'm going to give it to Felipe. Um, almost entirely based off the incident that got a, a fair amount of ire from Simon Borg and a lot of people online, where he <laughs> walked into <laughs> Federico Iguane's arm and then collapsed a second later, holding his eye. Um, as though he had been stabbed with some pointy stick. Uh, the, the Comcast Sportsnet broadcast crew said, said it pretty well. It's, quote, the kind of stuff that gives this sport a bad name. And in fairness, it's also the kind of stuff that gives a player a bad name. Clean it up, Philippa.
0: Well, I, I don't disagree with you, although, however, I will say that New York did much better uh, in the previous me- uh, visit to Columbus this year after Higuain was red-carded. So I don't, uh, you know, this was uh, Brazilian on RG, uh, you know, jiggery-pokery going on there, and I, I, you can't blame a guy for trying? I save, save
1: the jiggery-pokery for the Supreme Court.
0: All right, all right. Not pure applesauce. It was really uh, an award-winning performance by Felipe, but I will agree with you. Felipe, you're better than that, aren't you? Cow for you. Okay, New England comes to town. This week, New England is in a world of hurt. And when you think about what happened with New England last year, when they lost eight straight games and then turned it around magically when Jermaine Jones showed up and the team steamrolled their way right through the Eastern Conference playoffs and the Red Bulls into extra time at MLS Cup, um, perhaps you're seeing something similar to that. New England has lost four matches in a row, and they've won only once in 11 tries going back to... Early May, they are 1-6-4 and four in their last 11 games. They've been in just about all of the games. Um, they've had a string of one-goal losses that cumul- uh, um, finished up in Dallas on July 4th in a 3 nothing pasting by Dallas on New England. So this is a team that is having a real hard time figuring it out. And when you think about the kind of players that are on this team... This is a team that plays and starts a, a number of high powered uh, offensive players. Charlie Davies, seven goals and an assist on the season. Teal Bunbury has woken up, four and three. Hello, Juan Agadello, four and two. Kellen uh, Rowe, Lee Wynn, who was a finalist for MVP last year. Um, two goals and three assists so far this season in kind of a different sort of role. Even Diego Fagundes, who was kind of the last man on this roster, homegrown for the Rebs, two goals and two assists. So uh, this isn't a team that necessarily has poor players. They're just not being able to find that last goal. They're giving up um, untidy late goals. And, you know, th- when you think about this lineup, Starting, you know, the front four Davies, Fagundes, Lee Wynn, and Teal Bunbury, you think this is a team that's going to score goals. Obviously, uh, Jermaine Jones is hurt. He will be out, and he will be out for at least a little while. He's not on the Gold Cup squad. Um, But they've completely fallen apart and they have low confidence and they haven't had a whole lot of success at Red Bull Arena in the regular season. Obviously that late goal by Jones um, helped deliver them past the Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, I I don't know. There, there are fans uh, very passionate Rebs fans that are calling for Jay Heaps' head six months after leading them into the final. I guess Jones is that important to this team. He
1: is and um, you know as you mentioned earlier, if you look at their form last year, he was the thing that turned them around um, according to the league's injury report, he is still expected to be out, so hopefully he's not going to make a miraculous recovery in in short order um but uh, it it's hard to call because this is a both a Red Bulls and a New England team that can do anything on a given night. You know, yeah. New England is the team who stopped that that unbeaten streak to start the season uh, at Foxborough earlier this year. And I didn't think the Red Bulls looked terribly bad in that game, but sometimes they just pull these things out. And both teams are hurting for points to an extent. Uh, you know, they're in that pack in the middle of the Eastern Conference. And I think it's going to be... The pack that is the Eastern yeah. Conference. <laughs> Let's not even call it the East anymore. Let's just call it the pack. The pack. Um, so, I, you know, I think it'll be a, a pretty hard-fought game this weekend, I think it'll be helpful that the Red Bulls are coming off of a full week of rest for a change. And, you know, I know they, they gave a little extra time for the guys to recharge uh, and, and shift to the practice schedule around for that. So um, it it I I think both teams desperately need the points, and I'm going to be interested to see who comes out wanting it more.
0: In league play, these teams combined are 3-9 and nine in their last 12 combined matches. So um, the other interesting point which I'll make about this matchup is that New York has three games in hand on New England right now and four games in hand on D.C. United, um, which is kind of strange for the midway point of the season. What's even stranger is Montreal, who's uh, still catching up from the CONCACAF Champions League, Has six games in hand on DC DC United, which would actually, if they won all of the games, they would be in first place in the league. So Mm -hmm. um, the the East is completely up for grabs. It's going to be the team that puts things together late. Nevertheless. Um, this is a game that New York can win. Um, New York knows this team very well. Dax McCarty will be back. And, and say what you want about Dax getting some well-deserved rest in Columbus. He was a big reason why New York was unable to nullify those Columbus attacks. And say, And, you know, Sean Davis is going to work himself. He is a very fine young player, and he's going to be a good player in this league. But you can't just replace Dax McCarty with another part and expect the same. So Dax will be back. Um, Marsh obviously has to solve who starts it right back. Um, hopefully that will go a long way in terms of uh, determining whether, who's going to win this game. So I'm very curious. 7 p.m. Saturday night, Red Bull Arena. Uh, it's the it's Saturday night during the summer and hoping for a large crowd. Uh, not wearing any jersey, but wearing Red Bulls jersey. So, Dan, do you have a prediction, sir? You were very, very gun-shy about your prediction about the Cosmos No, game. that
1: was for the NYCFC game. Over oh, oh, the NYCFC game, yeah, um, which seems like about a year and, ago. And uh, I recall I said 3-2 for the Cosmos game, so at least I got the number of goals and the direction of the result yeah. right. There you, go. Um, there you go. I should have said 4-1. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm actually going to go 3-2 again. Um, I feel like both teams are going to – go hard in the attack and maybe be a little lapse in defense. So we'll call it a home win, but uh, a nervy, nervy one, three, two.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call it a two, one home win for the Red Bulls. I think the rest will do them a world of good. I think they have to feel confident despite the loss last week. Um, They're going to push. They're going to push the high press. New England, of course, hasn't seen the high press yet. This is uh, New York's first match against New England this season. They will meet. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Second. That's second. Completely incorrect. They lost 2-1 on May 2nd. But nevertheless, it's the lone home game uh, against the Revs. And, um, yeah, I think New York's going to come out in top 2-1. to one. So uh, that's, that's kind of the news of the week on the field, the game preview. But there's a whole lot of stuff going on off the field that is so important to talk to, so important to talk about. Earlier today, Wednesday, it was announced that the Red Bulls' Open Cup quarterfinal match against the Philadelphia Union... Will be played on Tuesday, July 21st, one day before the team plays Chelsea. <coughs> pardon me, with a 4 p.m. kickoff to make way for the other international Champions Cup match, which will take part later that night. That's been shifted to 8:30. So it's a a day-night doubleheader
1: that you need to buy two Bl- tickets for.
0: That's right. It is a day-night doubleheader, which means you would need to buy tickets to both games to see both games, and certainly this whole process has had a "that's so metro moment about it from, from the first moment we heard it, especially when you consider that if different results went different ways, this would not have been the case.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are – I've been heartened to see that there are a number of long-term Metro fans who – or at least acknowledging that there are some signs in here that attitudes have changed. In the past, this club probably wouldn't have fought to keep home field advantage, even in light of the fact that they're playing a day before a high profile, high money friendly. Um, they, they probably would have said, fine, we'll, we'll move to Philly for a different weekend and it's fine. Um, they, they wouldn't have done everything in their power. They wouldn't be, you know, it, it would be a very different situation. And I think we're also, almost certainly going to see the first-choice lineup show up for the Open Cup game, and we'll be watching a USL team take on the Champions of England, uh, which will be entertaining, right?
0: Well, I mean, it, it, it speaks to, uh, you know, I've had some very, very interesting Twitter conversations today. And just to kind of break down what happened, uh, if, if you are not uh, looped into exactly why this match is being played, when it's being played. In January, when the club was approached by the International Champions Cup group, um, they said, hey, we'd love to get Chelsea in. Chelsea needs to play on the 22nd of July. And knowing the special one, that was not a date that he was necessarily going to be up for moving. The club realized that that was in the open cup window and they called U.S. Soccer and MLS and said, hey, will we be able to um, change the date if we need to? And both U.S. Soccer and MLS, uh, apparently from team sources, what they tell us, they told the team, yes, of course, the other team will have to agree, but there's certainly a precedent to move the game if need be. With that understanding... The team went ahead and scheduled Open Cup, uh, rather ICC matches at Red Bull Arena for the 21st, 22nd, and 26th. Um, when it was time to submit Open Cup uh, bids to host these matches, the club said yes, we would like to host the quarterfinal if we get that draw, but on the 15th of July and not the 21st. After the draw in June. The club approached both D.C. and Philadelphia, who were the possible opponents, should New York have advanced past the Cosmos, which they did, about moving the date and their willingness to move the date. In the case of D.C., uh, again, from what our team sources tell us, they D.C. was open to moving the date and had no problem with it. Philadelphia, however, had scheduled a friendly of their own against AFC Bournemouth, of uh, now the EPL, And that's on the 14th of July, which would be one day before where the Red Bulls wanted to hold the game. Um, Philadelphia said, as is absolutely their want, we are not interested in moving the date. We will only play on the 21st. And so that put the Red Bulls in an interesting situation. They apparently have had offered the union financial incentives. they agreed to play to to pay rather for the union's travel uh to and from Philadelphia if they were willing to move the date, and the Union were not willing to move the date and so New york said uh, well we can <laughs> we can host the game still, or we can play the game in Philadelphia and they chose the home field advantage um as we've heard Red Bull's fans should expect a first team uh first team lineup to play against the Union in the Open Cup and as you said Dan that probably leaves the USL players and the marketing staff and the trainers and the U12 academy team to be playing against the Champions of England on the 22nd and so you know there are some fans that are like absolutely that that's that as it should be, and there are frankly some disappointed Red Bull fans that really wanted to see a first-choice squad play against Chelsea, but I don't think that's what we're
1: going to see. No, it's not, and I, I need to interrupt this train of thought to note that Roy Miller has just scored for Costa Rica. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Roy Miller, of the longest tenure of this club, has still not scored for this club. I think that's his, his, that might be his second, second international, international goal,
0: goal. Still. for Roy Miller.
1: Uh, had her off a set piece, apparently.
0: Wow, that's ridiculous. It is.
1: It really is. In okay. So,
0: nevertheless, well, um, obviously a mess. Dan, what's your take on this U.S. Open Cup morass? Look,
1: my my take is, what's your hot my take? Hot take. I mean, let me. That was a great finish by Roy Miller. To warm it up on the stove. Um, uh, my, my hot take is, I don't blame the Red Bulls if they had had conversations with U.S. Soccer. Um, knowing that the date for the ICC was in conflict with a potential Open Cup date and got the blessing that, yes, you know, it can be moved. It probably won't be a problem and, and went into it with good faith because, you know, that's what you do. These friendlies they are, are uh, they're obviously seen as a waste of time by many fans, but they are lucrative. And money matters, especially when you own your own stadium. Um, that all said, I, I can't blame Philly for wanting to get a leg up any way they can. And if that's screw you, give us home field advantage or screw you, you're going to have to play back to back games. Um, and based on what I've heard of the CBA, they're not allowed to field the same players 24 hours. There's there's a Mm. slow down period of like, I think it's 48 hours between appearances as a, at a bare minimum, um. You know it you you take what you can get, and maybe that means that the Red Bulls advance over Philly and get embarrassed to high heavens by Chelsea when uh, you know they're they're putting on second and third stringers the following day, and maybe that that will make Philly feel better, or maybe Philly eliminates them anyhow, and then it, it's even I, I don't know, but if if the shoe was on the other foot, I don't think many people would be complaining.
0: No, I don't think they'd be complaining. Absolutely, if if the situation was reversed, the Red Bulls would be the ones sticking it to Philly. I, I don't I don't think that's uh, that's it. I think it really speaks to the larger macro issue, which is do the Red Bulls care about the Open Cup? And you can argue that insisting on playing the game at home, even at four in the afternoon, when let's be honest, it's going to be a very very light crowd, um, that's caring about the Open Cup. And there are plenty of uh, Red Bull fans and there are plenty of former Red Bull fans and Metro fans that say even the act of scheduling a game that could possibly have this perfect storm of scheduling problems in the first place goes to show that they really don't care about the Open Cup. but. When you're thinking about the lineups that have been run out by Jesse Marsh, basically a first team lineup against the bottom team in the NASL, and then another first team lineup in, against the Cosmos, they're in it to win it. And, um, Connor Lade will speak to that a little bit in our second, in our next segment. So, uh, th- I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but. You can either believe that they care about the tournament, or you can believe that they that they don't, and you can believe whatever, but New York will be playing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the 21st, and it will be just one more very interesting story in, this, in the uh, ongoing saga of this here franchise and this here competition. Hey, did you know the transfer window's open?
1: I It, it was a bit drafty in here.
0: It was. Of course, uh, not to say anything about tumbleweeds or anything that may be rolling in, Um, it's still early, folks. And while, yes, there are other teams that are signing very, very expensive players to come and join their team and help their fortunes, um, I think it's certainly in the realm to anticipate at least an acquisition or two before the window closes on August 6th. Um, the team obviously has a number of areas to improve. We've talked about it, but the other interesting bit that we've heard is a rumor which has uh, at least some legs about, oh, my goodness, Costa Rica has just gone ahead with two goals in, like, two minutes. Wow. Okay, they're a good team. Um, They're better than Jamaica, anyway. But nevertheless, um, a possible trade of young Matt Miazga to a Swansea legend. Can you
1: elaborate, sir? Four weeks in a row with Swansea talk. All right. Yes. Um, the, Leon Britton is a, I believe he's a left midfielder, um, some sort of a midfielder. God damn it. Um, he's a midfielder, and he's played for Swansea for since 2003. And the reason that he is so dear to the hearts of many... Uh Swansea fans is he was there when the club was at its lowest moment and nearly got relegated not just out of a league, but out of the entire English professional league system and down to amateur status, which probably would have killed the club for for all time. Um but they they turned it around and he was there as they won promotion all the way up to the Premier League, won the uh the Capital One Cup a couple of years ago, made Europa. Uh, you know, a lot, lot of history in that club uh, that he's been there a part of over the last decade. That said, um, he's a serviceable midfielder, but he's lost his place this year as he's been battling with injury. Um, he hasn't seen a lot of minutes. He's a little unsettled because uh, Gary Monk won't promise him first two minutes. So I, when I've heard these rumors about a straight up trade, a for, straight up trade with, with yes. him and Miazga, I. I can't say I get it. He's certainly not somebody I would think would be on DP salary. I, again, he's serviceable. He might be uh, somebody in the mold, uh, not quite of Lloyd Sam, but you know, one of those role players who can come in and, and make a, a decent impact without setting the world on fire. Um, the only, and I've joked about this, and please do not take this as a new transfer rumor, because I think this thing is largely just swirling as people re-report on everybody else re-reporting it but if if it was a 2 for 1 with say Michu as well who um people may remember from a few years ago where he was lighting up the Premier League and then he sort of got unsettled and they loaned him to I think Napoli and he only made three appearances last year um you know that a 2 for 1 with some some decent attacking players you know I could I could see a little better i did, if the red bulls truly are thinking about shopping miazga, i don't blame them. You want to sell when stock is high, not when it's low. Um and miazga's stock is certainly ascending far too Quite nicely. far too rapidly at this point. So I, <laughs> I i wouldn't blame them, um but you have to be getting equal or better parts out of it for a young prospect. And i yeah, don't sure. i don't think Leon Britton's it as nice as a story he, as he has.
0: But nothing like working up Red Bull Fandom, at least for a morning. Um, You know, guys, we're dealing with whether you love Ali or uh, do not love Ali. This is a guy that basically wrote the book on MLS player allocation, and he's a shrewd negotiator. um, And, you know, he's not going to send a massive asset Uh, to the team, not just because he's playing well, but also because of his youth, uh, for a ham sandwich. He's just not going to do that, and he understands that his club has needs. But on the other hand, as you said, Dan, this is what this is, right? This is develop young players through the academy getting them a sprinkle of attention and of international experience, and sell high. Mm -hmm. The the same thing with Kamara Lawrence, and frankly, the same thing with the bong. And we had one of our questions during our live show last week, which was just that, who goes first, right? So – it's not realistic to think that these three young talents will stay in MLS very for, for a very very long time, especially when you consider um, the kind of tournament that Co- Moira Lawrence just had and may have as well in the uh, in the Gold Cup. So, um, the Women's World Cup, pretty
1: exciting. Very exciting for, for fifteen minutes,
0: <laughs> and even then, after that, it was a bit of a party. Yeah. I I have never seen at any level. Uh, a match like, obviously, that Carly Lloyd had a, a, a half. Well,
1: and, and in a cup final, like a, an international cup final. To do that yes. in the first 15 minutes is just absurd.
0: It's phenomenal, and uh, it's Friday afternoon. If you haven't heard, there will be a ticker tape parade in the Canyon of Heroes at 11 a.m. to celebrate the U.S. Women's National Team in their World Cup victory. So if you can play a little hooky, if you are, have the means, if you're on summer break, uh, get down to lower Manhattan. I would just suggest getting there early. Have you been to a ticker tape parade? I, I at- have
1: not. There have not been many since I moved to the city, so um, I'm sad I'm going to be missing this one.
0: Although I am a New York Giants fan, uh, I did not attend either. I am not a Yankees fan, but I did attend, just to uh, illuminate my age, uh, I did attend the 94 Rangers Stanley Cup Parade. That was the last parade I had, and that was a fantastic time. So uh, well done, ladies. Absolutely inspiring for everyone, and uh, get on out there if you can. So a lot going on for sure. When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to New York Red Bulls defender and midfielder Connor Lade. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Dan Dickinson, Mark Fishkin here. And one of our absolute favorite Red Bulls guests to be on the show is tonight's guest. Connor Laid joined the Red Bulls in 2012. And all in all, he's appeared over 50 times for New York's Red and White. He is the star of the Seeing Red holiday party two years running, and has seen some prime minutes over the last couple of weeks. And that's Connor Laid. Connor, welcome back to Seeing Red.
3: Thank you very much for having me, guys, and for the and for the great intro.
0: Always, always. Well, we know our our listeners appreciate hearing from you. So, um, a busy week for you. Two matches, one at home, one on the road. What? can you take away with a, your performances in the two matches and b how the team has responded?
3: Yeah. You know, there were, uh, there were tough matches. Um, you know, both quality opponents going up against and, uh, you know, all in all, I think, uh, we were, uh, you know, disappointed to get, uh, to lose out in Columbus, uh, after going up a goal. But, uh, We know we had a lot of guys who was put in some serious minutes over the past couple of weeks and haven't had a break. So, you know, if, if there is any, uh, um, uh, peace of mind that it's game that we had in a short amount of time that, uh, you know, if, uh, sorry, they, uh, they were, they were some tired life, but we, uh, we're happy to get to win an open cup and uh and you know, I was happy to see time on the field for both of them.
1: Kind of going to that open cup game, was there any extra significance to you given that you had been on loan with the Cosmos for part of last season?
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, it was uh it was definitely a special game because uh, I had a great experience over there with the Cosmos and you know, they uh they treated me like one of their own even though I was on loan and uh you know, it was it was obviously a tough game. Uh you know, they're riding a high after after beating New York. Uh and so we we knew it was gonna be a tough game and they were gonna put everything they had into it. So uh, you know, as expected it in the beginning it was a it was a tough matchup and uh but we were able to see it through and move on and uh we we're very excited about that.
0: Connor, you're on your third Red Bulls coach in your tenure here right now you you have the third longest tenure on the entire roster how has your relationship been with jesse um, when when he came in the changes that he's made and as you've moved into the starting lineup over the last few weeks
3: yeah you know it's it's kind of weird to think about it I've been uh, on the team longer than <laughs> most guys but uh mm-hmm. you know my my relationship with jesse is great uh you know I we talked in the off season, and he laid out his plans that, uh, you know, everyone knew, and he had good communication with all the guys before we even, you know, met in person. And, uh, you know, he laid out his plan for us in preseason, and, you know, we are all on board with it. And, you know, we, we all have a very open relationship with him where we can go to him at any time and talk to him, you know, for the whole coaching staff for that matter. And uh, they do a very good job of preparing guys for uh, – you know whatever they need to uh be able to fit in the system when their time is uh or when their number' called to get on the field and uh, they expect you to you know buy in fully to the system and when we do uh you know it looks good on the field and we uh you know we're excited with the changes that they've made here and uh you know in every sense of the word we are we are definitely are a team this year.
1: Kind of one of the things that I think a lot of people have noted being different with the club under Jesse's system is you know he's putting a lot more trust in youth, and we're seeing more and more academy players uh, coming up. And obviously, you're one yourself. So, talk us through you know what you've seen uh, of the the new crop of people coming out of the academy, like the the Miazgas, and what do you think what you think it means for the future of the team?
3: Oh, it's huge. Uh, you know, we incorporate a lot of academy guys on a daily basis. You know, whether it's guys uh, coming up and training with us or, um, you know, the coaching staff having a member of the Academy coaching staff with us every week. Uh, you know, it's, there's, you know, a unification that has linked the Academy and the first team and the USL team and the whole organization. And so it's, you know, it's refreshing to see uh, us, you know, be a one organization and, and uh, really be, you know, unified throughout the whole the whole thing and uh you know with the amount of talent we have coming out of the academy you know it's going to bode very well for the future of this club and you know you 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 can tell by the guys who have came out you know miazga sean davis those guys who have done so well in uh, such a short amount of time that uh you know there's going to be a lot more guys coming up and uh, you know ready to make their impact
0: Connor, you've played in both of the team's Cup wins so far this season. Today, we've uh, had a lot of interesting scheduling challenges around the quarterfinal with Philly. Um, For a player like you that has played a considerable number of Open Cup games during your career with the team, how focused is this team on bringing that trophy home? And is the thought of playing uh, 48 hours after your return from Orlando and a night before Chelsea comes to town, um, does that fire you up at all? Is Philadelphia a rivalry of this team yet? And so I'm just curious as your thoughts on on all things Open Cup.
3: Yeah, of course. Uh, You know, we're all really pumped uh, for that game. You know, we, in our initial meeting sitting down in the beginning of the year and we were laying out a kind of a roadmap and the goals we wanted to achieve this year, Open Cup was, you know, one of the first ones that was on the list, uh, you know, they, we wanted to put a big emphasis on doing well and winning that trophy and bringing it home to the fans because, uh, you know, we felt in the past the respect wasn't being given to it and, you know, it being the oldest trophy in, you know, American soccer, it's one that should be respected and we, uh, you know, we're really going after that thing this year and we really want to bring that home for, uh, the organization for our fans so you know we we definitely have a are going to be ready come game time i guess four o'clock is it on uh on tuesday yes so, it's, so. it's it's
0: it's an early eve early early evening four o'clock game. Yeah,
3: <laughs> so we'll uh you know come game time we'll be ready and uh you know all the outside circumstances will matter as soon as we step on the field
1: connor one of the the other things this year that I think we've talked with a number of the guys about has been the the defense corps, which uh, for the most part, outside of you and Roy and and to a lesser extent uh, Matt and Chris, you know, have been guys that are are relatively new to the club. You've got Damian and and Ronald Zubar and uh, Kamar Lawrence. Talk about. Building the camaraderie with a defense force that, you know, has had to go through a lot of rotations between international call ups and injuries and the like.
3: Yeah. Um you know, in training we, we try to do as much as possible to kind of get guys working with different pairings and uh make sure we're all communicating and talking with one another and learning about each other, you know, both on and off the field to you know, that so we can get the best possible relationship with each and every one of the guys because we know that there's going to be, uh, you know, guys in and out of the lineup, whether injuries or international call-ups, and, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's you know, it's the good and the bad with coming with talented defenders who are not only uh, playing well for us, but for their countries as well. So we we know that, you know, different guys are going to be playing at different moments, so it's all about just you know, getting to know each other, tendencies and making sure that we're all on the same page so that whatever pairing that's on the field. it can be a seamless transition um so you know we've talked a lot, especially this week, you know after the Columbus game and uh before the cosmos game, about you know just really talking with one e- each other because it makes your job so much easier if you know we're all talking and uh you know being being a solid uh unit,
0: Connor, before we let you go, we obviously want to talk about this coming weekend's game. I mean, this is a rivalry game. New England is coming in. They obviously ended the Red Bull season last year. They look to be a shell of their former self. They're having a very, very poor form. Um, they haven't had a ton of success at Red Bull Arena. How are preparations going for that game, and you know, will we see you out there?
3: Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, we know it's going to be a tough, uh, definitely a tough game, Um They've got a very good team, and they've got a lot of attacking weapons, uh, a lot of firepower all over the field, and we know that every time we match up with them, it's going to be a battle. Um, and we, we've we been talking a lot about that this uh, this week, is just, you know, being, being able to want the game more. And, you know, a lot of games, we've been talking about that, you know, making sure that our willingness to win is going to be, you know, unmatched, and we know that when a team like New England comes into town, we're going to need to take that to another level. And uh, so the preparations have been very good. Uh, you know, we had a couple of days to get our legs back after uh, a very heavy schedule. And so we're all feeling good and raring to go. And we know that uh, it's going to be a tough game, but we're all very, very up for it. And uh, we know we're going to uh, do well for our fans.
0: Connor laid, used to wear number 16 for the New York Red Bulls but now he's number 5 in your program. Did we talk about what uh what Sasha offered yeah, you for he, that? Number? He did
1: say that we had to ask you about that. <laughs>
3: well, he gave me uh, a couple seeds to plant on my upper lip so that uh I'll have a mustache like him because I can't <laughs> quite grow one. So, he gave me some 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 magic magic seeds to uh to grow. How's it working out for you? Nah, still struggling. I think you gave me a bad batch.
0: All right. Connor Lade, thank you as always for joining us on Seeing Red, and we'll talk to you later this season.
3: All right. Thank you guys very much for having me. It's a pleasure as always. Your
0: calls and emails are next at Seeing Red. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson, on a Wednesday night. It's a, it's a little strange not to have a Red Bulls game on a Wednesday night. It's just been, uh, it's been a midweek palooza going on over the last little while. It's, it's a little nutty. Look, if you want to go
1: to Harrison, I mean, we, it's, it's right over there. We, we, not, not only that, thanks, though.
0: Not only that, uh, New York will have another full week off after New England to prepare for their first ever match and trip to Orlando, Florida, to play Orlando City, which could and should be interesting. Orlando is showing very well for an expansion side, better than some other team, before we get the crush of three games in five days, including two friendlies and one cup match. It's uh, MLS, folks. Okay, so... Uh, We've got uh, some emails, we've got some voicemails. If you want to call and leave a message for the, for, uh, the Seeing Red Gang, you can do it anytime. Call 973-602-9161. That's 973. 973- 602-9161. You can call anytime. We're not waiting up for your call, but through the magic of the Internet, uh, a, a voice will answer and record your voice that we can then play um, on the show, and we're going to do that tonight. And then we also have a bunch of emails at singredny at gmail.com. Uh, first off is our friend Mario from Section 201, who's a friend of the show, and here's Mario.
2: Hey, Mark and Dan, it's Mario, Section 201 calling from the streets of Manhattan, hopefully uh to be able to get on to the uh, transfer window special singing, right? Just a quick point I wanted to make about the transfer window and the opportunities that are out there right now aren't going to really help us very much. So I think what they really need to look to do, the Red Bull, is to look for trading within MOS. That's, I think, the area where they're going to be able to get the most bang for their buck for this year. You know, bringing in a DP or somebody from Europe isn't really going to cut the mustard, but if you can get some good quality MLS ready talent, you know, talent that's already familiar with the league, you need to fill in a few places. That's it. If you can find a Sean Wright Phillips to do a decent deal, so you have the left side covered, get some center back help. You know what I mean? Maybe look for Somebody who's going to cover the left back position, force right back, I and mean, but but MLS has talent that's out there, so that would be my area to look for. I'm not looking for DPS and transfer window and all the craziness. Just look within MLS to make a deal. What do you guys think? Let me know. Let's go, Metro. So
0: trades. Obviously, as we said in the first uh, segment, you've got to actually give something if you want to get something. Who would you be willing to part with halfway through the season?
1: I mean, there's not a and it's not just who you're willing to part with, but who other people would want. Um, you know, there, there's some depth on the the flanks in most of the positions that, you know, are, are potential options, but I don't know how many teams... Are looking for, say, a Dane Richards, not that spinning him off again would make much that, You know, mo- most everybody who you could name is really important to the team. It's going to be important at this point because you have somebody go down with an injury or you have an international call up and suddenly they have to fill in the role. So the, the team doesn't have a lot of sellable depth. We're not uh, the, the team's not overstocked at any one position, so it, it's hard to say. I, I agree in principle, though, that, that trading is the better option than signing from the outside if you can get away with it. Um, the the deal that the team pulled at the end of 2012 to bring in Hamison Alave and, and Fabian Nespindola from RSL, pretty much straight up for allocation, um, was good business because you got two guys who knew the league. Um, could play in the league, didn't, you know, we're on the right schedule, didn't need to get acclimated and contributed that year, even if a a spindle fell off a cliff at the end. Um, So I, I I certainly prefer it. It's just hard to do.
0: Well, and let's, let's take a quick look at the the first team roster and think about if you're another team, who would you want? And, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to summarily cut all the players that are at least 28 right out, mm-hmm. right? Um, because if you're trading, one would imagine that you're looking to trade for youth, right? So given that Abong is you know 19 years old, I don't know, and he's been important to the team, I don't know that you can trade him. You're not going to trade the homegrown guys. And so who does that really leave? Our guest tonight, Connor Lade is 25. Felipe is 24 and an international. And I don't – Well, well, I think – there are fans that would prefer to see his um, uh, set piece play be stronger and his acting be better. I don't think they're going to de- uh, depart with him. And then who are you looking at that's getting regular minutes? Marius Obakop at 20 is unproven. Carl, we met at 23, who's right now with the Canadian
1: National. Carl, we met who was basically put on waivers by Montreal and nobody picked him up.
0: That's right. And so I just don't know. I mean, I just don't know who is attractive enough. And frankly, I would have put Chris Duval on that list, obviously, before his injury. So, well, you know, that, it there does,
1: is that new attractive player that just got announced today. What, the targeted allocation money? Oh, yes,
0: Tam. He's He'll be the TAM. <laughs> We, di- we didn't speak about that in our first segment. There is now a new magical 18th acquisition play, Targeted Allocation Money. Can you explain in literally 20 seconds or less what Targeted Allocation Money is, Dan? Uh, do I
1: get like a countdown clock or something? That's, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give All you All right, no, I'm going to watch my clock, and I'm going to start – now, okay, so target allocation money is $500,000 that each team gets It has to spend or trade at least $100,000 a year uh, in an acquisition of players that are potentially above the max salary cap hit but below sort of a, a larger DP threshold. Um, it's meant for like the Omar Gonzalez's of the world, and that's 20 seconds.
0: Or the Johnny Two Saints of the world, and of course the notion is that Giovanni Dos Santos will be coming to the LA Galaxy if in fact they can trade for enough of these uh yearly hundred thousand dollar bills. Uh it's you know, again, as as Garber said, we're making it up as we go, and that, that hasn't changed in an age of uh an age of quote unquote
1: transparency in the league. Mark, are you taking a bus to Portland in September? Never mind. Moving on. On. I'm
0: flying, dude. All right. Uh, here is our friend Julian Sachs, uh, Dick Sachs on the Twitter, who is calling from London.
4: Hi, guys. It's Julian calling from London. How you both doing? Hey, all three of you doing, in fact? Um, this is me joining about Matt Niaska, uh being traded to Swansea fully in Britain. Um, I think that'll be a metro suicide if we do something like that. Uh, Matt Niaska hasn't even reached his peak yet. Um, I just wonder if you guys can shed any light on the rumours of the deal. Jesse Marsh according to the Empire of Soccer's article was kinda of tight lipped over it, tight lipped and vague to the point that there could be something in this. Um, we all remember Tim Reen going at the end of the eleventh season to Bolton. Uh, Tim in my opinion left us a year too early. But it was certainly been with us longer than the has, um in the first team as, as a as a regular. Matt's only, was he 17, 18, 19 years old? I mean, the kid's got talent, the kid's got a level head, he had, he had David Villa in his pocket up at Yankee Stadium. I mean, we, we can't let him go for a 32 year old player who's, who's at the end of his career. Just another thing to add, Um, I don't think we need a DP. A lot of people are crying out for a DP, a DP. I just think we need, uh, we need, we need a more solid midfielder. I think Felipe would be a good trade. Sasha's out doing him and taking decent corners, which Felipe can't, can't do. Um, I think he would be a great trade bait, to be honest because um I don't think he's I don't think he fits us to be honest. I don't think he's working with like enough. I think Sean Davis can show up the midfield with Dexter perfectly well. Anyway guys, thanks for taking my air uh, voice Hope it makes a show and keep up the good work. Take care. Bye.
0: Miazga for Britain is suicide. I think it's safe to say, as we talked about at the end of segment one, that that as that rumor played out, it's probably not going to happen that way. Mm. Um, but we certainly appreciate uh, the notion of Julian calling in. You know, Does this team need a DP to get where they need to go? I don't know.
1: Uh, if they can find the right one, as they've <laughs> uh, proposed for the last three seasons, sure, a, a, a quality DP can help, but the challenge is finding the right one at the right price at the right time, and that's a, that's a big ask um, for anybody especially when you
0: consider that DPs in general, new international players, usually take that half season to get themselves integrated into the team. Right. And uh, I guess you can argue if you start now, by October, they should be ready to rock and roll. But uh, we shall can see. Can I just
1: we add shall... one thing before we move on? Yes, please Julia do. mentioned that uh, you know, Jesse Marsh's response on the conference call the other day was you know, tight-lipped and vague, and there might be something to it. Jesse's words, as I recall, were no comment. Yes, it's tight lift because uh, officially he's not in control of player acquisitions. That is Ali's job. And it's, you know, it's not his place to say. And, yes, I can understand that it's very easy to read. Yes, there's there's smoke and fire when somebody says no comment. But what else do you want him to say? You know, it, it, I I wish people wouldn't read into no comments.
0: Well, and I guess they felt that way, principally because Jesse is so uh, chatty about other things, and, and has built a reputation as a straight shooter. Sure. So when all of a sudden it's nope, not talking about it, uh, eyebrows go up all over the Red Bulls fanosphere uh, of fans going, oh my goodness, is it the apocalypse?
1: Right. And that's what
0: fans do. So they do
1: that every time the team tweets.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, they do. We have a number of emails as well. Here's uh, Joe Pahopin who writes, Hey, Dan and Mark, I hope you gentlemen had a great 4th of July. I wish we could have beaten Columbus, but after defeating the blue team in the Cosmos and the never-say-die attitude exhibited by the team on the 4th, I'll live with the result. I must say that Jesse Marsh has earned my respect by putting a solid squad on the pitch for the last two Open Cup matches, and I've heard several players say that their goal is to win the tournament. That said do you think that the Red Bulls can win the Open Cup? And if so, what effect could that priority have on their MLS campaign? Which is, I I think that's a terrific question. Um, You know, for me, the answer is absolutely they can win the Open Cup. When you get to this part of the tournament where you've got eight teams left, and just so everyone is, is aware, obviously we're playing the Philadelphia Union, Chicago is hosting Orlando, Sporting Casey's hosting Houston, and Real Salt Lake is hosting the LA Galaxy uh, on the 14th. So, uh, any one of those teams are capable of winning. And if if we've learned anything about the Open Cup, uh, it's, you know, those funny moments certainly define who moves forward and who doesn't. The effect that will have on the Red Bulls' ability to get to the MLS postseason. We're only talking about three more matches over the back three and a half months of the campaign. July, August, September, October, four and a half, three, yeah, three plus months of the campaign. Well, and
1: the final is early September, right?
0: Right. right. So. Currently scheduled for September 29th, although
1: we know how that might right. change. So, so they win on the, the July date. They have yep. you know, the game against the Chicago-Orlando winner in mid-August. And then... Yep. You you've got one more game after that. I don't I don't think it becomes a serious distraction outside of maybe a game or two that are right around it, where you've got to manage minutes and injuries and all the rest of that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, the twenty ninth, which is I believe a uh, Tuesday, if my calendar is correct, the Red Bulls play home against Orlando the prior Friday, and then home against Columbus the following Saturday. So they just have fi- got to find a way to get through. And w- they are going to have this game at home, and I believe they have the semifinal at home, should they win against Philadelphia. So, Yeah, so you got to feel good about that. And say one thing about recent winners of the Open Cup, one thing that, that definitely stands out, not a lot of road
1: matches. Yeah, most of them have played. I, I think Merritt Paulson was complaining that all of them have played all other games at home, save maybe one. Right, so. and that, of course, was Seattle during their, their run of many, many Open mm-hmm. Cups.
0: So, uh, so we shall see, but Joe, thank you so much for the, for the, uh, for the email. Here is friend of the show, Timothy Murphy, uh, that's Bo Sleazy on the Twitter. Hey, guys, I have a lingering question that seems to change each year with the machinations of the league, and I wanted to know how the guru's, the guru's opinions on it. I think you're a guru, Dan. I get the whole post on Riera is supposed to be a team-first, no-glamour mentality. But the fact remains that we're the only club in the nation. The Hemisphere? Marked with scarlet red and yellow ink. Most MLS teams are team-first organizations, but none are accused of being brain-dead shills. Further, none have to sell tickets in this market. (coughs) I'm grateful for the Red Bull Corporation and the stadium, but in 2015 and beyond, MLS, I fear, were doomed to be perpetually a punchline and second fiddle. This isn't in favor of a rebrand, but I wonder, with the aging stars now lining up for boxes at Yankee Stadium, how do we cultivate new interest in the team, especially from big-name players? Do we need new fans? Do we need to re-energize the old fans of the club? I'm not even sure winning an MLS Cup would make the franchise more attractive at this point. Sorry to ask about such well-worn territory. I love the team and will regardless, but I fear an ugly future is in store for us, made potentially worse by the negative fervor directed at the Red Bull brand. Tim Murphy.
1: Um,
0: wow. Mm. You know... Despite the fact that the team has been okay this year, and despite the fact that season tickets have been at an all-time Red Bull Arena high going into the season, I think when you have players on the team like Thierry Henry and, you know, better or worse, Tim Cahill, and for much better, worse, Rafa Marquez, and then you decide uh, to get on the Austrian austerity plan, uh, you risk losing fans and i think that that's been the case mm-hmm. and this is this is not a team that has knocked it out of the park this year they're a 500 team they're 6-6 six, six, and 5 they're they're just okay and it's a new world and it's a new you know management group and it's a new coach and it's a new everything <clears throat> they're doing a lot of things right they're Building from the youth, and they are playing some attractive ball, certainly more attractive than the Petki era, for sure mm-hmm. more attractive. But unless people are there to see it or willing to jump in, I mean, it, it is what it is, and uh, there isn't going to be a rebrand. So I, I don't, I don't, I agree with you that maybe not even winning Red uh, uh, MLS Cup will move the needle in a massive way. But that's, that's, so one man's opinion. Dan,
1: you have thoughts? I mean, you just look at the, the New York City sports market beyond soccer. You've got teams like the Knicks and the Jets and the Mets who still are drawing pretty well regardless of how miserable they've been over the past few years, although the Mets are doing all right this year. Um, and you've got teams like the Yankees who generally draw pretty well because of their history but are are suffering as well this year just because – Something's off, and it's not that they're lacking in talent. It's just, you know, it, it's a fickle market. They want, they, they want stars, and they want experience at the game, and they want a fun time, and it has to be the right weather and the right time of day and the right price point and <laughs> only one train to get there. You know,
0: It's amazing anybody goes at all. Um,
1: I'm shocked that, that the gates still work. Um, yes. And haven't rusted shut. But I mean, it, it's it's a tough market, and but with that, this club knows that having a big name or two does help get butts in seats, even yeah. if it you know wrecks the locker room and and sends the wrong message. Uh, you know, there, there's something to be said for the the marketability of the players on the team because the the history of the club. And their fortunes and their performance is not enough in and of itself. Being here for 20 years has not been enough.
0: Nope. And I'll leave it at that. And not winning for 20 years as well. Last question. We'll make it quick. Here's Rich Laconi in Section 130, who's the winner of four tickets and field passes before the match for an upcoming game. Guys, first year season ticket holder in Section 130 writing today. I know uh, a lot of people have been unhappy this year due to the Petky mess and the lack of a big signing, but my family and I have loved going to Red Bull Arena and have placed our deposits for next year already. I know a lot of people will be asking about who we may or may not sign, but do you think that Mars should switch up the formation and have two strikers, a bong and BWP, up top? perhaps we could cycle grella up there as well. Basically, can our tactics or a change in them make up for a lack of a big splash signing rich in 130. For me rich, um you're really yes, obviously you're hopefully going to create more chances, but in in the high press lineup and formation that Jesse Marsh puts out there, you know, taking a midfielder away is definitely going to depress the amount of possession and make it very um, more difficult to run the high press successfully. So while I don't disagree that this team needs to score more, maybe they could have saved a goal or two from the Cosmos match to use in league play, um, I don't know if... Our tactics can make up for a lack of big Splash signing, but I think this is an extension of the previous question. Can a change in tactics mean more winning, which means in theory more fans?
1: Dan, any, any
0: corollaries or addendums?
1: Uh, not at the moment because, unfortunately, I have blanked out. All right, it's time, (laughs) folks. When Dan blanks out, it's 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 time to end the show. It's It's time to end the
0: show. Thank you so much for everyone for listening to this edition of Seeing Red. We will be back next week, in between uh, the New England match and previewing the team's first ever trip to Orlando, Florida, for an MLS match. Uh, For Connor Laid and Dan Dickinson and all of our writers and callers, I'm Mark Fishkin, saying good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. We'll be back next week. This has been
2: Seeing Red, the New
0: York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes,
4: Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.